Blog Talk Radio. Hello, thank you for listening to Cinema Files Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. We've had technical difficulties today. You know, if you heard that for the last, you know, six episodes or what have you, I have no idea what's going on, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure it out, um, and my team is trying to figure it out as well, but we have the great Julia and Eric Lewald here today to talk about uh, their new X-Men project that's coming on at Disney+. Plus. And their old X-Men project, the, well, older X-Men project, the, the animated series, you know, that I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing about. That song is stuck in my brain. And it wasn't before, but now it is. It's just stuck in my head. So I can't hear what they have to say about X-Men in the future, X-Men in the Marvel Universe, you know, You've heard them talk on IGN and comicbook.com and a lot of different really fantastic sites. I mean, really professional, great sites. I really enjoy their interviews. So I, I want to make this a little different, maybe a little more personal. And I, God, listen, I appreciate them for hanging in there and being patient and being sincere and being cool about a lot of these technical difficulties we've had but uh, these are the the best of the best so let's let's get them on here without any any problems let's let's give them a little clap guys huh let's give them a little clap where's our clap here well here you go we'll clap steve is that else <laughs> <laughs> There's your clap right there. <laughs> How are you both doing? Doing okay, doing okay. Yeah. On this pretty February day here in Southern California. Squirrel. Spoiled, spoiled by the weather. Yeah. <laughs> well, Eric, you know that, that's funny that you say that because you were uh, you were born in Georgia, am I right? Yeah, but uh, spent a good deal of my youth up in Minnesota, where my mom's people are from. So. Uh, this is a Southern California is not winter. It's, it's something else. It's something else entirely. I don't think we know what winter is. I'll be honest with you. That's that's why we're here. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My my one of my best friends lives in Georgia, and we we talk about it like we were talking about it last night. And she explains Georgia to me, and I'm like, that sounds like hell. That sounds like hell to me. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It's like, listen, I can't, I, I can't sleep without two fans and like, you know, white noise going on. Was that was that your Georgia experience? You know, well, I actually, actually uh, it's I have some we, we have some fun some fun memories. My dad taught at Georgia Tech, and Julia's got a couple cousins down there, mm-hmm. so uh, three of them, and so we we tend to visit uh, fairly often. Uh, deep South in the summer is bit soggy and a bit Oof. a bit hot but but uh some, some very nice people yeah. and and spring yeah. the winter and the fall uh it's uh it can be it can be really pleasant so we i have <laughs> yes i do have i have very nice memories of georgia <laughs> well she's a beautiful woman for her to like admit that she sweats from her 
back down. It was like it was like such a it felt like such an intimate conversation. I'm like, well, that sounds horrible. But you know, it, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I'm like, I feel so bad for you. Like, why are you saying this? But you know, Atlanta is such a, you know, Atlanta and what have you are such great cities, and I'm glad you are. But but Julia, I understand you you were born in LA, were you not? Actually, oh good goodness, no. <laughs> I was born in um, Madison, Wisconsin, where my parents' families are from, and then uh, at age two got whisked down to Texas and grew up there. So uh, Eric and I kind of have that in common, uh, family in in the cold north, but also then growing up in states where it can get real hot. (laughs) Wow. What what, what part of Texas were you born in? Were, were you uh, no, coming Wisconsin, up from? Born in Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Uh, but grew up. Well, Wisconsin. It, Wisconsin reminds me of Buffalo, where it's like you know, oh. snow up to your snow up to your waist. Yes, and people are just used to it and they handle it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm always amazed that they just that, no, this is just the weather for today. Right. Oh wow. Yeah. So living out here in Southern California is is its own dream come true because it's just so nice. <laughs> I imagine so. You know, I, I'm so happy to have you both on. I, I've known, I, you know, I know people have had, you know, had you on their shows and asked you thousands of questions about the the new show that's coming on. Go ahead. Oh, no, just going to say there's only so much we can say about the new show, uh, and that includes the fact that we can't say anything about the new show. <laughs> no, I, you <laughs> know what? we are very excited about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't want you to say anything about the new show. You, I, okay. I want people. To, I want people to be excited about the new show. And uh, you know, listen. If if it, if it takes, you know, a course of the previous shows, I, I think we know what the future shows are going to do. Well, we are delighted and thrilled and astonished that good old X Men. Is is being um, appreciated the way it has been in the last couple in the last few years, right. finding a new life on Disney Plus, and then with the announcement of um, Disney going forward with the new the next iteration Disney Disney ninety seven, and for them to have reached out to the two of us and to original uh, director artist producer Larry Houston to come on board as consulting producers. That rarely happens out here in Hollywood. We rarely get invited back to parties, so it's it's a real honor. It, it is really you know crazy. I'll be honest with you. You know why well, did that happen, or how did that happen? Well, if you find out, let us know so we can tell other <laughs> friends how to do it. Yeah, I think part of it part of it was I think that uh, that there was a. There was a delay there for long years. The X Men rights were kind of chopped up between various people, right? Mm-hmm. And so they weren't do- even though the show remained incredibly popular, and there were still hundreds of millions of fans that enjoyed it. Uh, Disney, I mean, Marvel didn't know quite what to do with the thing because Fox owned some rights, and Disney owned some rights, and Marvel. Right. It was all it was spread around, and when the rights got back together a couple of years ago was about the time that they asked us to do a, a big, an art book with a lot of the images in it. And I think at that I time... I have that art book. That, it's wonderful. Yeah, and at that time, I think they decided, well, this doing a, a new uh, continuation show of of this is going to be at the top of our priorities for Disney+. Plus. So right. they were, I'm sure, planning it as long as two years ago. And we, don't we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. 
I'm sure they were. And, uh, uh, and so it wasn't until November when we were able to announce that they'd called us a couple of weeks before that to, to offer us uh, jobs as consultants, consulting producers on the show. And it's, you know, it's a bunch, it's, it's dozens and dozens of hardworking young, you know, 30-something fans of the show putting the show together, and they were nice enough to at least tip their hat towards the old folks and say, we'd like to hear what you think of, of what we're up to. So that, that's where we are right now. Well, let's include the 40-somethings in there as well, <laughs> because uh, they're in there as well. You know, you know, you know Julie, Julie and Erica, you know, we, we, we talked about this privately. You know, for me, you know, X-Men means a lot to me. Um, and, you know, growing up as a child, you know, I had a lot of difficulties um, growing up as a, you know, in a private school and behavioral and, uh, you know, chemical issues. And the oh. X-Men were my saving grace. When I would go to a psychiatrist, I'd, I'd always have an X-Men comic book with me and, and a Spider-Man comic with me. Let's, let's just be honest. You know, and, uh, you know, throughout my life, I've been collecting X-Men. It was just, just X-Men all the way. X-Men Kitty Pride, X, you know, Cyclops leaving the X-Men. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, the... The, the series of the uh, the Phoenix Saga and what have you, you know, I was always always part of that that saga and what have you. But it helped me to get into things like like Emily Bronte and a lot of different people that 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 are just gigantic human beings in the literary world. Have you have you, have you heard that from a lot of people that? Like, like that work, like even the animated series, like seeing it in the animated series or even the physical series has, has added to their existence in that way. I think it goes back, if we're in the way back machine here, with the show coming out in October 1992, mm-hmm. that was crafted on, on the shoulders of 30 years of X-Men books. And, right. and the creation of the X-Men, um, uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby at the very beginning. Right. It's such a brilliant prism for any, anyone who has ever uh, felt different or other, which I think, honestly, all of us can relate to that sensation. You know, and the, the exclusion, the, the, the shunning, and, and figuring out how to, how to navigate that, how to get through that. And the and the the personalities are so so specific and so individual um, that it, it's it's it was a pleasure to write stories for them, after, you know, for the series. And here we are now, right. sixty years uh, since the books began, and people are still, uh, as you just said, uh, use, ha- having used that as a as a tool to find a way into much. Um, much richer, much more different, much other types of, let's just say, literature. And that's, right. I think, a hallmark of what, what the series itself is about, um, telling a good story. Well, it, good it, story. Helped me, it helped me to understand quantum mechanics, alternate universes, also you know, going from subject to subject to subject without you know, really caring about like some – centrifuge of information that 
you know, I'm, I'm really expecting the audience to understand it. It really respected the audience to understand the information and to continue on. It, it was very strange in that way that it, it respected its, its audience. Yeah, we, we got, a, obviously we've been out here working 30 some years in, in the, biz, the business of, of writing television, mostly children's television. And we oftentimes, most of the time, get, uh, unfortunately, get the, the the mandate to write down to the kids, oh, you know, right. six to nine-year-olds won't understand that, much less the younger kids. And we, we always take the position with each new show, no, we, you know, we need to write the most challenging stories we can. Uh, the young, if if we make the stories exciting and dramatic and make the characters real, then the little ones won't understand most of it, but they'll be compelled by it, and the older ones will get it and be challenged by it. And so that's was our attitude, the attitude of the writers on all the writers on the show, and the attitude, that goodness of the of the of Fox Network, uh, Margaret Lesh and Sydney Iwater. Uh, right. Usually, you know, when you're a professional writer. Uh, you're not writing what you're not necessarily what, writing what you would do privately. You know, you're not writing poems to yourself. Uh, you're, you're you're on assignment, and uh, you're working for uh, for a greater, larger uh, group of people. And when you're doing that, the people at the top make all the difference. And in this case, they told us to, to push it as far as we could, and we did. And and here, 30 years later, we're still talking about the stories, which is wonderful. By the way, I well, don't know if, you, if, if Julia told right. you, but today is actually the 30th, absolute 30th anniversary of the day uh, the show was greenlit back in 1992. Wow. <laughs> Get out of here. Today is the That was the day you got the phone call. So we got the phone call the <laughs> night before, but the actual meeting where everybody, Stan Lee and all the people from Marvel, Bob Harris and Joe Calamari, and Tyam Saban and all the people from Fox, everybody got together uh, and said and and had the let's make the show meeting. So this is this is the this is the anniversary. You know, I, I, I first saw you two when you liked my pictures with Bat in the Sun when mm-hmm. they did when, you know when I did the pictorial version of your show of all the X-Men characters that you you did on, on the cartoon version. And I was so proud of it. I was so happy. It. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that you guys liked it was, you know, like a blessing from the gods. Oh, and, oh. <laughs> you know, I was so, I was so proud. I was so happy because I, you know, I wanted to do you guys honor, uh, you know, you guys meant so much to me and what you, what you've accomplished and what you did. Oh. oh, no. Did I lose you? No, I hope not. Oh, well, there we are. We're good. No, I had to let that quiet for you guys to talk, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you no, so well, anyways. We appreciate it, Steve. And, and you know, this is, this, this, is a strange, this is a strange phenomenon because, well, you know, when, when, when we're working, it's, you know, we're on assignment, and we yeah. imagine as we're, we're, we're getting the stories together and getting to the artists, we're doing our day job and we're right. imagining at some remove that someone may see this, you know, a year from now or 30 years from now. And then we're just on to the next story. Mm-hmm. 
And there's not a lot of time for reflection. And there's not an interaction like there is, say, for a performing artist. You get up and sing in front of an audience and they clap or they boo or they, they, they sit there stone cold silent and you understand what sort of connection you've made with a dozen or a million uh, people. Uh, when we started going out to comic cons and meeting fans like you people that have appreciated the show, it was really, it really took the whole life experience to another level because suddenly we were like a performing artist with and and hearing and feeling from the people giving testimonials or talking about their favorite episodes, feeling from them what it was we had accomplished when we wrote the story. Because we don't right. get, yeah, obviously we didn't get that just by handing in the story and getting our paycheck. We didn't right. get that until we met the fans and found out that it actually worked. Mm-hmm. Right. No, it, it, it definitely made an inspirational touch. And, and perhaps some people just don't have the ability to articulate or don't want to express um, or don't have the ability to express, like, what's inspired them and what have you. But for me, growing up with the X-Men and what have you, watching, you know, you know I'll be 100% completely honest, you know, I was not ex- extremely, you know, jubilated with a lot of the creations of like the X-Men, you know, even, even the first movie didn't make me mm-hmm. like extremely, you know, extremely happy because I was just, I was looking for that real life creation of the X-Men, but it was never going to happen. It was, it was not going to happen until like now, but you know, watching, watching the, the, the animated series, you guys really did follow the platform of, of the of the comic books of like the series and what they were trying to say and, and, and certain episodes and, and episodic periods as well. Like um, it, it really ended with, with professor X leaving with his future wife um, who was, you know, a, 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 a space pirate. And you find out that this Scott has a, like a space pirate brother and what have you, which is kind of like, like a weirdo concept when you, when you think about comic books, I mean, they're not going to put that in any of the movies, but you put that in, in, in your animated series as well. It was always, um, as Eric said, we were always challenged to write up to the audience, which was such a tremendous gift. Um, but also it's kind of fun looking back and realizing people can easily call out, you know, specific stories or story arcs that they especially enjoyed from the animated series. But really going through it, there aren't that many that were adaptations of specific stories. I think that speaks highly to how the animated series respected the material and told stories that were X-Men stories, but weren't just coming from the next book, the next book, the next book. Right. A lot of those stories, most of the stories uh, were organic to the series, to the TV series, which, again, people don't, people, oh, my God, you adapted all the books. Not necessarily, but the fact that you felt that way <laughs> is positive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there were a lot, I mean, there were like 15 different concepts that the the cartoon version was not able to touch on. 
But but the main ones you were, like the Phoenix Saga and what have you. And for some odd reason, and I'm going to say it like this, for some odd reason, people are attached to the Phoenix Saga. I, I really don't understand why. I'll be honest with you. I, I think it's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of other stories to tell. But you guys did tell it exactly, I mean, really well. I mean, per- perfectly well. Opposed to the films that... You know, I'm not going to bag on anybody, but I'm going to bag on him because I ho- I hate him as a as a director. <laughs> that, that you, oh, you, you, yeah, he's a horrible yeah. person. But you guys did it really, really well as an a- animated series. It was really beautiful and like an homage to well, to, Eric, to you, the. Go ahead. Oh, Eric, you had the the good fortune of the Phoenix. Saga and Dark Phoenix were season three, as I recall. Right. And the first two seasons, none of us thought it was going to go past the next 13. But when you got the call to roll for the next... 39 more. Right. Then you were given the luxury of some time, and that's when you got to sit down with Mark Edens. Am I right? Yeah, and Mark and Michael, and we got the... and did We did the the five-part Phoenix Saga together. Normally... Steve, we were working so fast that I would just have to, if I would get three or four stories, uh, episode stories approved, I'd just have to hand them out to like, you know, the four writers that were available, you know, that hour, because there was right. no time to wait around. And when we talked about doing the Phoenix Saga, we had we had just finished the first two seasons, and they said, well, we're going to give since the show's such a hit, we're going to give you some extra time. On the next 39, we're going to make the deadlines less tight. And I said, well, if we've got all this time in advance, can we schedule this Phoenix saga, since we know that we're going to do these stories, you know, a little further along in the in the group here, and just let my two buddies write them all. And right. with me, the, these two brothers that I'd known and written with since college. And they said, sure. So that one was we indulged ourselves more and we took more a little more time and it was it was a more of a challenge to create because you have to have five separate uh stories that end uh on a cliffhanger that end properly for each episode but they all have five have to to, to hang together mm-hmm. as 108 minute story so that took a little extra thought and a little extra care and they gave us the time uh, to, to do it, they, we, we we were able to look ahead and and and, and do that. But uh, a lot of certainly the first two seasons, we uh, we were just writing as fast as we possibly humanly could. Right. Well, you, you started with Hanna Barbera before, am I right? I, I did. That was my first opportunity out here, and you know Hollywood's a strange place <laughs> uh, for people outside of it. There are. You know, there are thousands of wonderful creative jobs, but there are millions of people that would love them. And right. how how you find that moment when you get a door open and say, you know, is this an opportunity? And I, I've been, you know, writing for years, and it happened that uh, I hadn't really, I hadn't sold anything out here. I made a low-budget movie, but I hadn't sold anything out here. And it happened a neighbor came by and said, well, heck, I'm working at Hanna Barbera, and they just got a like they just got a triple offer. I mean, they just got a lot of shows greenlit, and they're looking for writers. And I've been listening to you type for the last six months, so I know, you know, you're doing it. So I had that <laughs> that that was the shot, and I got 
got him the most appropriate script I had that would for his boss and the and wonderful Gene McCurdy at Hanna Barbera read it, who was the boss, the president at the time. And Gene McCurdy, you know. You, you, so you're working with Gene McCurdy. This guy's okay, so we'll <laughs> let we will let him pitch, and that's the, that's a, you, all you wanted to do is get an opportunity, is is you know get them to open the door and take your phone calls, and right. that I so I owe the I owe my neighbor, and I owe Gene the chance to do that and. A buddy of mine and I pitched five story ideas. One of them sold, and it just kind of took off from there. But that was the that was my half hour opportunity. You know, do I have something good enough to to, to, to show? And I happened to, and and it went on from there. Well, it bears on the concept of it, it, it is what you you know who you know. But you know, I but I have I have to ask you know both of you. You know what? What is it about you or your writing that really got you through that? Because you're creating images in your as a writer myself, you're creating images in your mind that you're hoping transports other people into that world, and it's really hard to do that with people who are like asking you, "Have you been published?" It's it's a really ridiculous concept. But you know what? What really pushed you forward into that uh, stratosphere or to that atmosphere, I should say? Part of it, the innocence of youth (laughs) and um, just a certain blind determination that it didn't, I didn't grow up with the idea of working in the entertainment industry. I grew up in Texas and, um, Always, my parents were doctors. I assumed I'd go into medicine. And what senior year high college, someone just and I was always writing and loved writing. That was just I loved to write. That was my thing. But it never occurred to me to that you could do something with that. At least not where I was in the world at that time. And a friend I bumped into said, "I'm moving to California to student teach music in Central California." They pay people to write in Los Angeles. You like to write. Do you want to come with me? And it never occurred to me to pick up and move until that moment. And then from that moment on, it's like, okay, if you can just pick up and move, and I want to do this, then how do I do this? This, Folks, there was no Internet. There was no easy way of communicating or finding people. It it, It was a real different world. And for anyone who wants to follow a path like that, it it took me 10 years. I say that it took 10 years from the day I got here to the day I got my first oppor- my first real opportunity to work uh, as a writer uh, and get paid for it uh, for Disney. 10 years. So you can say it was an overnight success in terms of, well, you got this great, you got this job and then it took off, but it took 10 years. And those 10 years included uh, working very odd jobs, <laughs> you know, uh, right. picking up whatever side assignments, oh, someone knows a comic who might need some stuff, you know, that kind of, 10 years of that, but um, in the same way that Eric had a neighbor who knew he wanted to do this and knew of an opportunity and shared it with him, I joined a couple pals on a softball league, I am not athletic, but a pal of theirs was on the team and knew that I wanted to write. And she she knew that there was an opportunity at Disney and turned me on to that. So yes, it is who you know, but it's how do you get to know them, you know? How and how do they know that you want to do this? 
uh, at least. And do you have the material when your opportunity? When your opportunity comes, can you hit it? You know, that was also 10 years of writing, putting together spec scripts, having stuff to show when an opportunity came. Because uh, that is the odd thing about writing. People, oh, I've got a great idea, which is wonderful. What you want, the whole world needs great ideas. But execution's a whole different beast. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I, I have to, I have to ask you, Julia, as you're talking about that. I mean, you're you're talking about an incredibly misogynistic world, in a time that that there was no YouTube, there was no, no. iPhones, there were there was no, no ability for people to take pictures of some, you know, I mean, you know, excuse my language, jackass. Who's not going to like watch your watch your stuff and be respectful? What what pushed you forward through that world and say, hey, listen, I'm going to make this happen. You know, I um, it, it, it's fair enough to. It, this is a tough. Any industry is tough. Let me say that. And being a female in any of the industries is not. It, it's it, 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 Still a long way from any kind of equitable um, reality there. Uh, I can say my my grandparents, uh, the together, the two of them, my grandmother and grandfather, uh, ran a family business. Both my parents were doctors, so I grew up with. I, I grew up in a family where it, it it was gender neutral in terms of you know go out and do something. You just every opportunity was there for everybody. And uh, coming out here with that attitude, it, it helped to navigate some of the waters. But good Lord, looking back on it, <laughs> yeah, there, there have been some dark, ugly things that have happened in um, the entertainment industry. Um, but there's also, I've also been able to make a career out of it, which, again, if you'd met me in college, it wouldn't have occurred to me that I could have done this. And here I am. So there you go. But Ooh. let me say this. Be nice. Just can people be nice to each other? <laughs> it, that sounds silly and dull, but you know, Eric and I, we've been married now over 30 years. We've had, we have deep friendships with people for over 30 years that we've all met right. in this industry. Right. Just be nice. You, you know, God dang, it shouldn't be that difficult. But um, I encourage mm-hmm. that. It's interesting you say that, you know, throughout all the interviews that I've done through the past, you know, I, I think it's, what, 10, 11 years. I think this is my 140th episode today. Ooh. And, uh, you know, the one thing that everybody always says is to be nice. And through all my experience of directing and writing and producing, I, you know, I'm I'm just nice. There's no reason not to be nice. This is a... It's a, it's a glory to do what you want to do and to be with the people you want to do. And even if some people are nasty, I'll be honest with you, um, it still is like a real pleasure to be part of an industry that's really just candy. It's just candy to me. You know, movies do, and films and crazy. Go ahead. I do think that, that for forever there has been the image of a certain type of person with a certain type of attitude, who you know, mows people down, and you know, oh, but that's the person who gets things done. It's like, we we let that image ride for for decades, but you know, we're also we found out you don't got to be that person. You don't have to right. be nasty and awful to get the job done, which for a long time 
people assumed you couldn't get it done if you weren't nasty or awful. Right. So yay. Right. Yay for nice. <laughs> yay ye for the world, you know. And, yeah. and uh, not to be weird or nasty or anything like that, but, you know, the, the, the Weinstein thing was really, uh, you know, a great thing that happened to Hollywood because it, it, it made everybody in check and go like, listen, this is not acceptable. Like you're all in check. We're going to, you know, we're going to watch what you're doing and everybody needs to be careful. You know, it's sad that, that bad things need to happen for people to change. It shouldn't be that way. I agree with it. it we, it's, it's out of the gate. Couldn't it have just been different? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Right. So, so, so moving on from there, you know, we just saw, you know, and I want to talk more about the, the, the animated series. I mean, the past animated series, not the new one, because we can't talk mm-hmm. about that. But, but the, um, the, the new film that's coming out right now, which is the, uh, um, you know, the Doctor Strange, you know, multi, Multitude of Madness, you know, it, it does show a Professor X right now that is in a chair that does match the X-Men series that you wrote and created. Isn't that weird? That has blown my mind. That has That's blown strange. my strange, mind. That's strange, right? Uh, I, to, cause I, maybe we've seen the same things online. Someone, oh, leaked, uh, leaked uh, art from the trailer that looks apparently to show that character in that hover chair. And then to, to have heard Patrick Stewart's voice. Oh, my God. Um, I don't know what they got planned, but... It's 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 a very exciting time to to be around and be a fan. Right, Eric. How how do you feel about that when you when you see like your your imagery or your concept or your creation coming to you know maybe a you know a how I don't want to say a new generation but a generation that's been waiting so long to see this come into floration. How do you feel about that? Yeah, well, I mean, it is a couple of generations newer, and uh, it's just it's just incredibly gratifying to know that that the interest is still there. Because, you know, Julia, tell you we've written on maybe forty five different shows, and some of them popular at the time, and you know we're proud of our work on all of them, but you know they don't necessarily stick at the center of pop culture the way these do, and it just the way this 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 single magic thing that we were part of has has stayed the course, and we look back at at uh, at other things that have lasted like this, like say you know Star Trek was fifty was fifty five years ago. I think so. Yeah. Uh, that it premiered, and it's as much on people's minds as it was, you know, the the first month it was on television, and it's something that that lasts like that it, it's just it's really yeah i mean it's it, it, it just it's it's a whole other kind of feeling from simply okay i've done the job i know that the story i wrote worked on to the next right. one in this one you know you're 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 going on halloween and you're seeing your children and your children's friends dressing up as characters that you wrote stories for Right, and it's just it becomes a larger part of your life, and mm-hmm. that's really it's really nice. Well, Eric, I, I I know you've seen my photography of of the characters that did both of you created. 
and what have you for X-Men and what have you. And there's such a love and an admiration and a, a melancholy, you know, for what you've created for the both of you. How does it, how does it feel that these people are just holding on for a new creation for the both of you and really pulling for you and really pushing for your success? I, I want to uh, bring Larry Houston into the conversation as far as someone who, as, as a genuine and fanboy of the books as a, as a child growing up, when, when he be, worked, began on the art side of, of X-Men, the animated series, he knew them chapter and verse. He knew all the characters. He knew, all, all the, he knew everything about that world. And he was the one who slyly figured out how to kind of slip a few extra characters in on the side that if you were right. a fan of the books, you might spot and go, oh, is that, oh my God, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. If you weren't a fan of the books, it didn't matter. It didn't detract from anything. But with that, I, I got to tip my hat to Larry as sort of being the person who kind of set the stage for the idea of this expanded world. Because the X-Men team is, is, is eight characters. But the whole X-Men animated series, there are a lot of players that you get introduced to. Oh, there's a lot of people in there, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so hats off to Larry for setting that stage. And then here we are 30 years later parsing the Doctor Strange, you know, Multiverse of Madness trailer going, did they just have a – is that – did we just see what we thought we just saw? (laughs) I like to think part of that is – for the for the folks who were doing that when the animated show came out, did we just see who we saw? Did you see that? Which would be a nice tip of the hat right there. Did, did I, was that honest? Was that honest? Was that really your approach, or, or you know, I you know I, you know what I believe you. I you know I don't believe they told you in advance, but some part oh, no. of me thinks that you're lying a little bit. <laughs> I wish I were that clever. I wish I were that clever. Oh, my God. Well, and here, okay, let me step back. Patrick Stewart I, is, is one of my favorite performers on the planet in He's anything ever, ever, ever. Now, the catch is he was not our Professor X. That was Cedric Smith. Cedric Smith oh. was our Professor X. So when I heard Patrick Stewart's voice, it's like, that's, oh, my God, that's the live-action film Professor X. But, and, but then people are going, but he's in the hover chair. It's like, oh, oh, wait, what, huh? So maybe they, I don't know what they've got planned. Obviously, this has been worked out long in advance. But, um, right. yeah, that would be fun. It would be fun. Well, you brought the character Morph mm. into the series. And, and, Eric, you know, I'd like to hear from you. Like, you know, what was like bringing some, like, I'll be honest, some arbitrary character that was, that was honestly kind of strange. I mean, it, it really did go into the, more the Marvel Universe of, like, you know, people that change their appearance, the ability to go into the, uh, you know, like the presidency and Senate and Congress and what have you. But at the time, it was a little strange. I'm going to say two words, heroic sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, hon. More. Yeah, and it's... It's pretty complicated. Usually, I mean, there's there's a temptation when you're writing these stories to just introduce random characters that you make up, and you know, you get writers get special credit for that, even though it's 
not that much more difficult to make somebody up and give them dialogue is to just pick one from the Marvel Universe and give them dialogue. You still have to make the you know the scenes work. But we just made a, a kind of a pact with Marvel. We told them when we got started that we don't have any agenda about about bringing anybody special or new or different into this series. We will every chance we get, we will base uh, our the characters we use on somebody from the 30 years of the Marvel books, so somebody from the X-Men universe. And there were lots and lots and lots of characters to pick from. So when right. we had a story we wanted to tell, our first job was we looked at the reference books and said, well, is there a character that that fits this job that like uh, could make a sacrifice to save the X-Men, maybe has done that in the books before, or somebody's relative... You know, is there, a, is, you know, as you mentioned before, Scott has a brother and Scott has a father who, who who abandoned him. So every chance we got, we would pull people like, it would be, we didn't have favorite issues of the comics. We would be thinking, what, wouldn't it be wonderful if Scott, if Scott could meet his father? Okay, what's his father? And then we do the, then we do the due diligence and do the research and find out what his father was like. So we started with a character, just like someone who knew nothing about X-Men would do. We'd start and say, okay, let's do a good Scott story. And then we'd go through and find out bits and pieces from his actual moral history that would make the story work stronger. And then when we ran out of those, we would then make up what we needed to make up. In the case of Morph, the, we, Mark Edens and I, who laid out 26 episodes, we just made a pact with each other. We wanted to show one of the X-Men killed, sacrificed in the first story. And just so it was crucial to us to show the audience that there was a consequence to being an X-Men. This wasn't play violence. This wasn't pretend Jeopardy. There was real Jeopardy. And right. so this character was chosen specifically to die. He was not supposed to come back. That was a, a later decision. So uh, you decided we, that from the very beginning. We made him too popular. He, so, so they asked us to bring him back. But when, when he was killed in episode two, when we wrote it, we were planning that he die there. Uh, and Eric, the reason you, that... you suck. <laughs> <laughs> you suck, Eric. Thank you so Sorry. much for Woo-hoo. destroying my childhood. <laughs> Go ahead. Please. And, and and just so you know, we we started out the process. It was took about three stages to end up with Morph. Um, we started with a Marvel character named Thunderbird, who right. is a Native American uh, X Men. Great, great from character. The 19, yeah, nineteen seventy five books. Yeah. He was an X Men, you know, for about ten issues, and then he he died uh, heroically sacrificing himself for the X Men. So okay, here's a great character to do this. And then once the script was written, somebody uh, at Fox or Marvel realized, wait a minute, we don't, probably not politic to, to kill the only Native American character we've got on the show. Can we use somebody else? So I asked Larry Houston, is there another character, someone mi- very minor from the, third, from the hundreds and hundreds of books uh, that had sacrificed himself for the X-Men? So they looked back and he found the character Changeling. And 
she was an actual character in like three of the book, three of the issues. And after three or four issues, she was killed in pretending to be Professor Xavier and in effect, so in effect, sacrificed himself so Xavier could live. So we chose him and we put him in and in the script, his name was Changeling. And he looks very much like our morph character. They based their drawings on him. And then we're going into production, and the lawyer calls us from Fox and says, no, you got to change his name because DC has a changeling also, and there could be legal action right. or confusion if we use this character. All right, fine. Third, so I just I picked the word, the name Morph. But the, the character preexisted in the comic books. If you go back it's changeling. And, yeah. look, and look through, find changeling, and right. you'll see that he an awful lot like Morph. Yeah, I, I have all those comic books that lay out the characters, their powers, <laughs> you know, their heights, and, and you know, and oh, what yeah, happens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember those. You know, yeah, those it, it, very, very, very helpful reference books to, to catch up on, you know, over 500 comic book issues. You know, what... <laughs> What? Who, who's done what to whom and why? And, <laughs> and and what and what are the limits to their powers? And you know what do well, the that, different costumes look, look I like? I found that very interesting when people were like, "Oh, Spider-Man can lift ten pounds," and I'm like, or, or ten tons, and I'm like, "Yeah, I knew that when I was like ten. Like, thank <laughs> you, like thank you for bringing me that information. But but it's interesting that that you that, <laughs> you know I'm such a nerd. I, like I sound like such a dork <laughs> right now. But it, it's interesting that that you did take like a certain political or social stance in, in, in your work, but not wanting to destroy a Native American character in use of another character. Go ahead. Yeah. And, well, and that's also why uh, in, the, in the brilliant opening sequence, which was uh, laid out by Larry Houston and, um, in, a, in the course of a weekend, when you've got them charging at each other uh, right. on both sides, uh, that's that's you can glimpse and you see a character it, it, on the on the side of the bad guys. That's it's Warpath, but it's technically his. It's a twin brother of, but that's because the model had already been drawn um, with the idea of using the character. So you know, th- things got recycled. All everything got used. Everything got used. Right. Right. You know, you know, what's interesting to me is that, the, you know, and I would love to hear your opinion. And, and, if, and if you ex, if you avoid this opinion, I, I, I truly understand. But for me growing up, the the X-Men series has always been about the disenfranchised, um, the the gay, the, the gay human, the person who doesn't get along with other people, the the. Uh, Antisocial. I mean, we can go down the lane of like who we believe that person to be, but the X Men have always, always, always been a representation of humans or beings that don't really fit into a certain mold. I, I think that was there from the beginning. If, if we can take credit for anything, it's and I was as as only, simply a writer on the show, one of many. Because so many talented people were a part of the the X Men series, the animated series, but but that was the core of the characters. That was the core of the story, and that that had been in the books for thirty years. 
actually more recently, Eric, wasn't it in the 70s when um, they came in, they created this more international X-Men cast in the books? Um, and, and that's what ended up being the, the core team, the adults kind of in the room. Right. For X-Men well, we, had, we, we, had the, we had the original episode uh, or the original comic where the X-Men went off to the island. That was a alien island that, that they had yeah. to destroy. Right. And then it carried on to a different. Yeah, I already have that one. And then, and then it, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm really into this. And then it carried on to, you know, the X-Men that we know kind of today with like Angel and what have you. And the Nightcrawler came on a little bit later on. But Nightcrawler, you know, and, you know, Kitty Pride was really the exemplified character that was supposed to be like the narrator or the narration of the human being of like what the X-Men were like. Um, but they, these characters were really like off the wall and you, to a lot of people that I knew and I grew up with aligned with their beliefs and aligned with their lifestyle and what have you. Did you take that in consideration when, when you read these books or, or when you wrote anything? Well, yeah, it was it, it was really I mean absolutely we what we saw in the books was was two things was there is the spectacle and the excitement of of superheroes fighting superheroes uh, which is kind of like we were always referred to it as the live wrestling side of it which is very exciting especially if you're a young boy uh, uh, you know all the you know who's stronger than who and Right. Who can do what to who, and you know, and so it's it's very much uh, just battle spectacle, and and that can go on forever, and that's wonderful. But uh, to us, that was kind of like the gunfights in a, in, a, in a western. The, the real core of the story was the other half, which is that these this group of uh, people suddenly were discovering that the dominant culture wasn't accepting them, was it afraid of them, right. justifiably afraid of them because they were different. And so so just thinking of them as the other, I mean, the people that created these characters had lived through the Holocaust. Right. I mean, uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby uh, both lived through World War II mm-hmm. as young adults and, right. and I'm sure lost family members and friends uh, to the camps and to the war. And so that's one reason why there, there's flashbacks for Magneto and you find out he's a kid and you have sent to the concentration camps. So there's all, there's this human history of thousands of years of groups that were other or were not, were not part of the dominant group that were scorned or feared and treated badly. And so that was, you know, that was, front and center. I mean, if it's, if it's racial, if it's sexual orientation, if it's religious, uh, if, if, it's, if it's cultural, whatever it is, there, there's this real human experience of feeling like you don't belong. Yeah. And right. that, that was absolutely forefront in our mind. It wasn't any of the specifics. I mean, we weren't making, you know, necessarily uh, gay parables or or uh, racial parables or religious parables. We were just trying to. I mean, I mean, we were doing it specifically. We were, we were doing, but we looked 
to those experiences, like we talked about uh, the difference between Malcolm X and, and uh, Martin Luther King, where right. you've got you've got Magneto and Xavier, both of whom care very deeply about the future of mutant kind. And if you think of mutant kind as oppressed racial minority, one of these people is saying we have to reason with and integrate with and come together with the dominant culture that's not treating us right. And the other one saying to hell right. with that. Uh, we're going to break away from them. We can't trust them. Uh, so we're going to be separatists. Uh, we're going to set up on our own asteroid and set up our own culture. Right. Uh, in the, in, you remember in the 60s, there was even something like a Back to Africa movement. That's right. That, uh, that a number of black people got very excited about just making the decision that, no, we're not just going to assimilate. We're going to differentiate. And so all of those things were, you know, were in our minds when we're writing these stories. But it wasn't like we were coming to work every day saying, I'm trying to make a, a statement. In other words, it wasn't like we took this job for an agenda. We looked at it and used the characters we were given. And they were, they were put in this incredibly dramatic situation mm-hmm. yes. by the people that come before us. They were made the most visibly other that you could be and were given powers that would frighten the other people. So, so if we just treated these people like real people with respect, then the stories naturally were about them either deciding to want to, to maybe deny what they are or, or, or conform to in the standard cult society or fight it, or convince it to stop being cruel, whatever it was, they were thrown into the situation. And that was the drama we had to work with when we were given these characters to write stories with. So, yes, we obviously used that, and and we were conscious of the parallels, but it wasn't like we were a bunch of political firebrands that went into this wanting to turn (laughs) the X-Men into that. Right. The X Men were born as that, mm-hmm. right? And so, so that in that way, there's no reason to put put us on the throne, right? Yeah, right. Well, that's, that's, that's very interesting, you know. Now, Julia, let, let me ask you, you know, when I look at the characters, when I look at like Angel and Nightcrawler and what have you, these are really pushback characters. These are really characters that are out of sums out of means, out of the world, nobody accepts them. And it does remind me of the, you know, the, the gay parallel of the, of the gay generation, you know, in the 1980s and what have you, like late 1970s, early 1980s. At least that's how I saw it myself, growing up in the gay population myself. You know, how, how, do you, how did you see that character and what have you when you wrote that character into, into your series? Well, you mentioned um, Angel and Nightcrawler. I'm going to take it a step back and just go straight with with Beast, who is my favorite character, just because whether we're talking difference because of religion or ethnicity or anything else or gender identity, Beast among the team looks so different. He's the only one among the, the the core team who can't walk down the street without other people 
looking at him and viewing him as being different, uh, mm. being other. He's the most obvious, let me put it that way, of, of the team. You know, Rogue's got that great hair, but she can walk down the street, you know. Right, of no course. No one's going to necessarily, yeah. you know, nobody give get, her the nobody side Nobody's going to bat an eye, yeah. Right. And so long as you know, Wolverine doesn't pop his claws, you know, he can he can walk down the street as well. Right. I, I think for anybody who is, <laughs> which I think is everybody, anybody who's ever gone through <laughs> uh, puberty and adolescence, it is it's so fraught and just the, the, your everything going on with your own body changing you know hormonal stuff going on you know the whole world around you changing and your with your relation to it uh i i i loved that beast was in his own way the most comfortable within himself but the most obviously other but I love that he was challenged occasionally in the show as well, um, right? To to, uh, to to face that, um, and I think the fact that someone like Beast could could be perhaps considered different or other, but was this was his, but was loved and, and accepted. This was each of the X Men. This was their found family, right. and uh, I I love that for each of them that they came here and found each other and are now together um, for whatever reasons. You, you mentioned the gay community. Uh, right. I, tr- we have heard so many touching stories from people from all over and from, you know, yeah, I, I grew up in a family, or, or someone would say, I grew up in a family that didn't understand me, or I, I grew up over here. Uh, I, think we, I think we all did. <laughs> I think we all did. <laughs> you know, and then sort of seeing in the X-Men a certain kind of resilience right. um, that with, with Professor X trying to figure out with them how to take whatever it was that marked them as so different and 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 uh, channel that and empower them with it, and I think Eric brought up earlier with Professor X and Magneto, the the genius of starting the first the season the series with the two parter Night of the Sentinels was you didn't have Magneto and Xavier going at each other. You had the audience learning what this world was like, and that there were a lot of human beings who were scared about these mutants. Right. And right. some of them had figured out how to believe giant robots just to crush them. So when Magneto shows up and he's got his attitude, he's not wrong. You know? Right. Um, no, no, and, no. And no. He's became, not necessarily yeah. wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were able to have that kind of kind of conversation uh, with with sparkly spandex and you know things getting right. you know cars getting thrown at people. Uh, but this is this is what I loved about yeah. X Men and Spider Man, which is like you know they are both characters that did well by people, that fought by you know by human beings and helped them to survive. But in the end, people resented him, and people didn't like him because people didn't understand who who, who he was. Mm-hmm. And that's that's mm-hmm. the X Men series. And, and when you look at Wolverine, where he has claws, and claws are meant to kill you. I mean, if he had guns. I mean, they're just meant to kill you. So it, it, it is the you know it is the basic understanding of human beings and how they see conceptualized observation. 
I have mentioned it before. It's like if if you switch, each X Men on the team had a, a very specific power that made them, you know, very good at what they did. But the irony is, if you if Rogue and Wolverine could switch what their mutant abilities were, they would be much happier people. You know, Rogue would have been able to deal with the adamantium and pop her claws when necessary, but she could touch someone. She could be physically close to someone. You know, Wolverine would take this, I can't touch anyone because I'll suck their juices, and go live in the woods and he'd be happy. The very thing that made each of them so special was also, in a way, the thing that broke their own hearts on a personal level. You know what? You're screwing me up. You're making my brain turn, like, upside down. I swear to God. And we're talking about a kid's show on Saturday morning. I, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> it's not a kid's show. It's not a kid's Thank show. You. It means a lot to me. Thank you. You know, and, and if it doesn't mean a lot to you, then, then switch off the channel right now and stop <laughs> listening right now, and I don't give a crap about you. But, I, you know, I'm watching it right now, and, like, Greece is listening, Turkey is listening, Russia is listening, you know, Chile. By the way, you guys are communists. Chile is listening right now, Peru, Mexico, L.A. is listening to us. I'm Mex- and, you know, we have so many people <laughs> listening to us who understand what you're talking about. And, uh, yeah, that's cr- you're, you're You're really making my brain hurt. Because when you talk about, <laughs> well, like, I- <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> We've thought about this. <laughs> We've well, yeah, obviously, obviously this. you did. Because <laughs> when you're talking about Beast, I'm like, you know, I didn't oh. even think that. I didn't even think that oh. for a second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I just didn't. Because what I thought was, you know, it would be very difficult to be Angel because he has wings. And, you know, Angel, like, represented the gay community and what have you. You said Beast, and I'm like, oh, you know what? Oh, God, you're right. You know, like he can't oh, hide who he is. Oh. You see, that's that's part of it. He was he was such a part of the team, and he was presented as part of the team that, at, you know, he he was he would him being big and blue would not be the first thing you would think of. Oh, Beast, he's really smart, and he's really he's he's got these funny things that he says, and he's really strong, and he can solve any problem, you know, academically right. by thinking about it. That's who he is. He happens to be a giant big blue guy. And when you take the step back and go, oh, my God, how would he be perceived by everybody else around him? Unfortunately, you know, we are all very visual creatures, you know, uh, right. Like, right. like wolf packs, you know, tend to uh, <laughs> find each other you know, with their fur. Sadly, Beast would be the first one you'd point to and go, oh, that, woof, something's wrong there. I don't know if I want to know what, what's going on over there. That I'm scared of right. that thing without any consideration for who he was, or what he what he what he had inside him, so yeah, there you go. So yeah, Nightcrawler, Angel, I agree with you. But hey, going back to the beginning, our dear Beast. You know, uh, <laughs> this conversation is blowing my mind more than any <laughs> conversation <laughs> I, I, I sincerely has ever had in my life. I swear on my soul. You know, but, but I, I love it so much. But, you know, we're running out of time quickly. Yeah. Um, my, my question is, uh, you know, a couple of questions I, I do have before we leave is Wolverine. Now, I know Wolverine has been like the top character of all the films and, and the new comic books along the way. But I remember when he was the lone Canadian going after <laughs> North Star. You know what I mean? And, and the off. Uh, off 
you know, shot comic book and what have you. And he became this superstar and what have you. But I really did feel like Wolverine growing up, whereas, whereas like he resented who he was and he wanted to be something different. And, and Eric, I, I want to hear from you. You know, did you see that in that character? Did you feel that in your character as you wrote that person? Well, uh, we used Wolverine in, I think, a very specific way. He was, you know, almost 100 years old when mm-hmm. we were writing him in the 90s. And, you know, he'd seen a lot and, and done a lot. And and he just was, there was a, a different weight to him. It's like he she'd been through half a dozen years, a dozen heartbreaks and he was just to me anyway he was the he he was a world weary character in a way say uh jubilee and rogue could never be because they're just too young uh and he so that i i found it obviously the audiences for the books and for the and for the tv show and for the movies just love him because he is so uh, unrestrainedly himself, and just just most of the other characters would never just say to hell with him. I'm I'm gone. You know, if I come back, I come back. If I don't, I don't. Goodbye. They'd be more, you know, empathetic, and it's just, Wolverine is. Uh, just you know, like he wears his emotional heart on his sleeve, so he's uh, very dramatic, and we're tempted to use him in lots and lots and lots of scenes, and actually had to call, you know pull back on it to where right. okay, we don't want to over. He's very colorful, and people love watching him, uh, you know, knee jerk react uh, like like an, un, uh, an uncontrolled id to the. <laughs> To the problems around him <laughs> and say things that other people wouldn't say out loud, but that's just yeah. I we I have great sympathy for him because uh, he wasn't he wasn't cynical. He wasn't uh, he wasn't cruel. He was he was a sweethearted romantic that him. You know, he, was, he was there for the scene as much as anybody. He just uh, just wouldn't make a you know he wouldn't make a show. And quick hey, shout hey, out Eric, to, Eric, to the voice Eric, talent here. Please. We got we got to give yes. a shout out to all the voice talent on the animated series. And speaking of Wolverine, Cal Dodd, you know, the, those oh. are the voices people hear in their heads now, and I, I love yeah. that. Yeah, an amazing, but, but you know, I, I, the dork in me has got to go back on Eric. Eric, do, do, you, do you remember the episode or the comic book where Wolverine got into the fight with the entire bar with uh, with Colossus? It was, and it was a one-off. Uh, no, I, I you, 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 see, this is part of the problem for us. <laughs> the fans. The fans know the comic books a lot better than we do. We, just, we, read, it, we, read, enough, we read enough to become comfortable with the characters, and then just kind of took off. And, and uh, I mean, the fans know our shows even better than we do, even though we had to write them. But no, uh, certainly, yeah. you know, certainly you know the it, it was better. it was one of those moments where. Um, you know, Colossus got into a fight, and everybody wanted to get into a fight. And, and Wolverine's like, you know, like I'm just going to sit here and drink my beer. And there are so many fights going on behind him 
And then eventually he gets involved. And it does remind me of the time where I was in England where I was 15 years old. I remember reading the comic book and there was a, a fight between a bunch of um, a bunch of soccer players, Julia. Uh, were, oh my you, God. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. I was just a little kid and my, my dad gave me money and I'm like going to this little it was called Boar's Head, uh, Boar's Head Bar. And I got a beer and these guys are like throwing glass at each other and chairs at each other. I'm like, what is happening? And the bartender pushed my head to the ground and just said, stay here. And when he lifted my head, they're all seeing and laughing and having fun. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is definitely X-Men. But it's not America. I mean, America, everybody will be dead. <laughs> you know, but it's it's definitely X-Men, whereas, like, people are just, like, enjoying themselves or having fun. They know how to fight, but they, they also know how to back off a little bit. That's very funny. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, but, but, Steve, it was really I – mean, I do appreciate you calling us today because it's – Letting us chat with you all like this. This has been yeah. a lot of fun. I hope we've blown well, your mind sufficiently. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go, let me let me let me let me just let me just end this off here this way. You know, um, Eric, what got you into comic books? What, what got you into the area of comics? What got you in the area of like this world of this surreal existence? Well, um, I wasn't that big of a comic book person actually. I just was. I loved uh, heroic stories. You know, and I was getting my dad used to read. You know, Greek and uh, Roman uh, Scandinavian myths to me, and that kind of that kind of spectacle and heroism appealed to me. And then lots of you know epic movies. That so I, I love movies, I love storytelling, I love books, and it just I happened to fall into animation writing. And when the best opportunity I ever got uh, on an animation show came, it just happened to be. Based on a comic book, it wasn't like I was. A, I had a garage full of uh, books. Comics. I really didn't. So, <laughs> so neither one. That's of amazing. If, if you if you ask Larry Houston, you know he could tell you he could t- give you, you know, fifty years of uh, the, the books he bought and where and why. You know, a lot of people on the art side were that way, but for us, it just it's just good storytelling and uh, and and a love for. You know, it, it seems like it's done us all a great fortune that you have not been as invested as we have into the the, the, the material. Um, uh-huh. Because you, you can be free, you can write what you need to write. You need you you don't need to be invested, and you don't you don't need to be afraid. Julia, you, you yourself, like you know what you know. There is a whole world right now, you know, and I'm talking to the girls in the world right now, that people gatekeep. And gatekeeping means oh. that, you know what I mean, the guys are keeping them away from anime and comic books, which, by the way, seems like really silly because when I grew up with comic books, like, I would beg for any woman to be near me as I read the comic book. But it's it's a really relevant thing, and when I watch TikTok, you know, which I'm part of, it's it's a gigantic thing. You know, what, what brought you in the comic books, and what do you have to say to the women, you know, in the future about oh, this you know, this world? Well, 
one of the things that Eric and I, when we first met each other, you know, first of all, the Internet is an amazing place, but it's also very scary. And if it had been where we are now with it, when X-Men the Animated Series comes out, I shudder to think what fan reaction would have been like then. We had the luxury of letting the show become what it became without the, you know, the, the frantic uh, spamming and emailing and hating and gatekeeping. Oh, I was <laughs> a huge Star Trek The Original Series girl. That was my thing. And yeah. I was growing up in Texas, and I was one of maybe three people there for whom that was a thing. But that, it's like, my God, these other things happen. These other places exist. These other worlds I really kind of felt that was, that was a thing that, for me, carried me into this is science fiction is 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 my passion, uh, right? And then coming out to Los Angeles and kind of hanging on to that, it was it it was harder to find other people who felt the same way then. Uh, it just so happened Eric was one of them, <laughs> um, but it, <laughs> but the, the fact that there are people who who take it upon themselves to to screen other people who could or could not be fans for some I don't I don't I don't, I don't understand that. Can right. we just enjoy can we just each of each of us find what we love, love it with all our hearts. Well that brings me to my other question is how the heck do you guys find each other in a world full of uh, you know human beings who you know have so so much differential in their beliefs and what have you. You guys found each other. That's pretty incredible. It is. I'm. I'm. A, I'm stunned by it every day. But I'm. I, I think part of the magic for that was we met at Disney TV Animation. I had just gotten my very first job. He was writing. He was there as a writer. He was in the office next door. It's like I was doing the thing that I was passionate about, and it was my first opportunity to do that. And here I am, surrounded by people doing the same thing, and they're passionate about what they are doing, and they love that. And so that we got that's kind of how we we met there with a lot of other passionate people doing what they loved, uh, and that yeah, went forth from there. And it's worked out to this point. So, uh. <laughs> well, you know, Eric, Eric, let me let me ask you. You know, like I only have like a, a few more questions here, but you know, Eric, when you look at the series right now, what, what do you desire? You know, it's not going to happen. We know, like you know, you saying something's you know. Is not going to make it so. But what would you like to see happen in the MCU and the X-Men going forward, knowing for a fact that they're using your animation as a, you know, a blueprint of the future? Well, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's weird. I, I never, I mean, I... I hate this point you see, but I, <laughs> that's kind of the last thing that I was thinking about because it was right. it was hard enough trying to fit in. People always ask me, well, are there a bunch of stories you would have liked to tell, or a bunch of characters you would have liked to use from the X Men universe? Yeah, you can't. That you you didn't can't get a say chance anything. To. Yeah. You know, we we you know we maybe we maybe touched on fifteen twenty percent of the people, you know that are that are established in the universe by the nineties. And that's just so much to juggle yeah. that right. the idea of then adding the entire MCU and it's, you know, five times as big universe of various comic books together. It's like, it's like t- saying, well, uh, 
write a you know think about writing a Marvel comic but, book you know, that that has eight thousand people for, in forget it. Forget that. Let's just let's go to the point of like, are you happy? <laughs> are you happy? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, it was, yeah. I mean, and, and again, remember, we didn't think of we didn't we we became very attached to these characters and we lived with them for five years and you have you know you have to be inside them for that time and that's that was very important. But we tended to think of ourselves as, uh, you know, legacy keepers, mm-hmm. not as, as you know, this not as like, well, this is our, my, my version of Eric and Julia and our friends and, and loved ones. I'll be, I'll be honest, we, we, Eric, we, it's, re- it's really hard to tell a lot of times because, you know, yeah. I, I've seen your interviews before. I've seen a lot of your interviews, and I was trying to make <laughs> this interview very different, you know. And it becomes like these guys are asking the same questions over and over again. They're trying to get secrets. But, you know, for me, I, I'm just really trying to go to the, you know, how do you feel about the fact that, you know, the world is coming back to you? The world is looking back at you now when it seemed for a long time that only niche, you know, people were looking back at your, at your work. And from, from now on, it's going to be canon. You know, and that, yeah, no, that, that's, kind of a, that's really a special thing. It, it is a big deal. It is a big deal, Steve. I mean, yeah, there's, it no, is. There's, there's, there's no denying it. I mean, this is something. This is what this is what writers and artists work for is to get a is to get a reaction and to get usually to get a good reaction. I don't have that much respect for people that that say, well, it doesn't matter what the reaction is. They can all hate it. Well, I don't want them all to hate it. Uh, right. You know, there's there's something to have connected. To, to have spent the time thinking and feeling and coming up with stories and building the stories and then having this many hundreds of millions of people actually get a chance to see, to, to enjoy the stories and, and react to them. I mean, it's just, right. it's, it's a big deal. I mean, people, wonderfully talented people, you know, work in smaller stages and, you know, if they get a hundred people to, to be touched by the something they did, I mean that's that's a big deal, and it would be a big deal to me. But having having it be of this scope is, I mean, there is something to that. It makes you sit back sometimes and think, well, you know, was weren't we, you know, fortunate this time rather than the other dozens of times this time to be working in something where the magic all came together at once right. and it persevered and and it and it lasted. And I will bet, you know, when we're Great grandparents that our great grandchildren will be watching it, and, and that's just that is that is something pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, I, I up, I'll be completely honest. I did not think it would go this far. I I, I just didn't. There there's, there was no thought in my brain that that this would go on to Disney Plus and they would accept it. And they would move forward with a, with a new couple of seasons. By the way, I think it's going to go four to five seasons. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm 100% positive of that. Uh, Ju- Julia, when you, when you heard that it was going to be, you know, re- not reinvented, but rejuvenated, you know, what was your feeling? Do you feel like, you know, I've been like, you know, I have been vindicated. <laughs> you know? Not so much vindicated as, as just so astonished to have been a part of it. 
to have to have been one of many people who who worked their darndest, worked their hardest, you know, to to create X Men the animated series. Right. And then to have this again, it doesn't always happen in Hollywood that you get invited back to a party. <laughs> Shows get rebooted <laughs> or rethought or reinvented all the you time. Usually get kicked and, right out, and then like your your son oh, gets invited back in. <laughs> so we were very. It, it, it's it's humbling and it's wonderful to to see this all happening right now. Truly, it really is. But you know, I, I definitely have to ask. You know, as a married couple. You know, and this is very strange. For me, this is very strange because I, I've never really had this experience. But as a married couple, how does this feel when, when you have this experience, you, you see things happen, and you look at each other? You guys go get champagne, you get wine, or you just say, like, eh, I told you so. <laughs> I don't think we've ever really said I told you so to each other. Or if we have, it wasn't very often. That's, that may be why we've been married 30-plus years now. <laughs> oh, Lordy, the, yes. No, um, it's, but the nice thing is, and, and Eric would have said this too, is uh, it's, it's like uh, going to join the Army as a, with, with your buddies. You know, you all understand uh, what it's like to be in the, in the, in the foxholes with each other. We, we, right. we have a real shorthand when it comes to talking about the work, and it's, we, we love what we do. It's, right. we're just fortunate to be able to do it, and it's been wonderful. You know, I, I can I can hear that it, it's it's time to go, and, and you know we have a limited amount of time here, obviously. But you know, and I'm sorry, know, Eric had to dash off and 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 grab some. You take care of the dogs there. there at the door. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I know, you know, but you know, I I do have you know two more questions to ask, and then we're out of here. But okay. you know, yeah, but but Julia, you know, as a female going into the comic book series and what have you, did you ever feel any sexism or any you know like pushback from what you were trying I, to say? What? I'm let me let me that you know, and this we're going back thirty years, uh, right? Just we are. in the industry, in in the entertainment industry, in in general, that's always been uh, a, a challenge. That's always been, you know, a, a, an issue. But l- let's give all the credit in the world to a woman named Margaret Lesh, who became the president of Fox Kids. Margaret Lesh uh, is amazing, network. by the way. She is an amazing yeah. person, and she. In, a, in her own way, I give her credit for setting the tone that it was never an issue, you know, male, female, you know, uh, right. uh, you'll look at the team on X-Men and you've got, it, it broke down basically for, for male characters, for female characters. The females are actually the strongest, you know, if you, they can fly. That's right. But it was never, it, it, that was fine. It, it should be called a the lot of shows, almost. Yeah, you know they, it, and that from, that was top down from from Margaret Lash at the beginning. So right. as far as this show and those people, never an issue. Always, yeah. always just about being the best you could be. Yeah. Well, see, you, know, you really have to hand the office over. You really do. <laughs> Sorry, you had one more question. One more question before we take off here. You know, one more question. You know, what do you want to see? I mean, I, I don't know what you've seen. I don't know what you you've cared about. But what do you want to see from the new series? I just this is the short answer, but I just want to see it. 
I am so excited that there are people who are as passionate, you know, as as we had been in our time. Now getting the chance to to turn that passion into their take on the show. This is going to be. I'm excited. I'm excited for that. Yeah, we want we want to see. We're curious. We want to yeah. be surprised. We want to see what they do with it, rather mm-hmm. than to say, "Oh, look, they 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 did exactly what we did." I mean, <laughs> I, you know, nobody <laughs> nobody's creative wants that to happen. I mean, you want them to respect what you've done, but you don't want them to repeat it. I mean, why bother? Of course. You, know, Eric and Julia, thank you so much for being part of the show and be, for being part of my life, for being part of my oh, existence. I, I appreciate you both. You know, you, you two are great, incredible people. I reached out to you. You reached back to me. I really respect and appreciate your time. I'm, I'm so sorry that we had some difficulties today, but I'm we, so Hey, we all wrote it. It all worked out. It all worked out. So thank you I'm so, so much. Happy. This has been a lot of fun. I'm so I'm so happy for your future. I'm so happy for what you're creating right now. And you know, just just the best of luck. And I you know, thank you. I love you. I love you both. You just have oh, a great thank one. You so much, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye, guys. Bye. Okay, here we go. We're gonna give him a little clap away here. Where's my clapping? Oh, there we go. Oh, my gosh. We had them waiting for two hours, my friends. Two hours. (laughs) And they hung in there for two hours. Let's give them two claps for that stuff. Two hours. We had them waiting for two hours. Two claps right there. Okay. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I was um, speaking truly from the hip right there, and I have no idea what I was saying. Uh, It's one of those um, conversations where, you know, you have where you don't know what you're quite honestly talking about because you're so with the people you're talking to. I appreciate Eric and Julia's time. I appreciate their investment. I know this little show means nothing to their world or the creation of of the world that's coming along. I I know that. I I accept that. I, I get it. It's fine. But I'm so happy I had the ability to talk to them. The X-Men were such a huge part of my existence. Going through grade school and therapy and reading X-Men comic books. And later on, you know, being with my family and seeing their restaurant being destroyed and knowing the X-Men and Spider-Man would be there for me. Later on in my life, knowing that X-Men would always, always be consistent. Not protect me, but consistent. It was special to me. 
They're stories of strife, of loss, of desire, misunderstanding. It spoke droves to me. Thank you to Eric and Julia Lewood for joining us today. I know. They waited. (laughs) These guys waited two hours, literally, for me to get back online. You know, God bless you. Thank you so much. But thank you all for listening in. The X-Men series is so important to watch or listen to, to protect, to see, to watch, to hear, because it's, it's about all of us, the disenfranchised, the misunderstood, the black, the white, the Asian, the Ethiopian, the Afro-American, to the native population of America, to the gay population of America, to this trans population of America, to the LBGTQ plus community. The X-Men definitely reads and leads to you. I know it sounds stupid. I know, I know that. I know it sounds silly to you, but it does. It's trying to talk to you. And thank you, Erica. Or, excuse me, Eric and Julia. I don't know why I said Erica. Eric and Julia, thank you so much for joining us today. I combined their names. That's why I know I. <laughs> Thank you, Eric and Julia, for for being with us, literally for four hours, (laughs) to make this conversation happen. I'm telling you all, go to Disney Plus, subscribe, be part of the new experience, be part of what they've done. It is incredible. Something to witness. Something to experience. Thank you to Eric and Julia. I appreciate everything you've done. God bless you both. Have a great day. My name is Steve Pisa. This is Cinema Files Radio. All of you be well. <laughs>